Welcome in to another episode of ESPN's NBL podcast and we are finally days away, maybe hours away by the time people are listening to this to game one of the NBL <laughs> championship series between the Sydney Kings and the New Zealand Breakers. My name's Kane Pittman and alongside me via the power of some slightly shaky Wi-Fi today, it has to be said, the best newsbreaker in the business, my colleague at ESPN.com.au, Olga Ulrich. Since we... Uh... Since we last met, I have reopened all of my tabs, and then now I've had to re- I'd had to reclose all of my tabs again in order to make this podcast work. These are the sacrifices I do for our for our NBA podcast game. Now we are talking just purely kings and breakers today. We're not venturing anywhere else because this is a series that, to me, has the makings of going all the way. It could go the distance. It could go to Game Five. And as you always know, I am very selfish in this regard, and I want it to go to Game Five. But we know that this is a big podcast. Because you're wearing a blazer, which is an interesting choice to do a podcast. And hopefully you say something that is worth putting on social during this podcast. So if you're going to put a blazer on for the pod, at least bring us an interesting take that the team, the fabulous social team might put up. What's wrong with my blazer? Blazers are... When I would do do TV crosses, I'd throw a blazer on. It's my excuse so I don't have to wear a button-up shirt. Because this this turns a a regular t-shirt into... Uh, smart casual and so that that's just this is like my trick around it let, let me have this it's a it's a very nice blazer i can't tell you no i agree uh, who I, I can't tell you who i'm wearing um but it's just a nice blazer <laughs> and if if everyone has the fortune the, the good fortune of seeing it in a social post then you're very very welcome no i totally agree i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it i'm going more lockdown style uh t-shirt up top undies down below so you know that, that's that's Jesus a little Christ. bit more uh <laughs> anyway, anyway 15 we, plus right here. Oh, that's all right. Look, we could get a little bit loose today because we're excited because last weekend, obviously, the Boomers did pick up a couple of wins, but I did find myself across the weekend twiddling my thumbs a little bit and wishing that we could get down to business here with this series. Like I said, I think it has all the makings of going five games, but I, I thought the best way to start this is to just look back at the season series so far. So the City Kings win two out of the three games. But they were all relatively close and they all had their different storylines, different players missing, injuries, carnage. We had a banked game winner from Jarrell Brantley or a a banked game icer, I should say. It wasn't at the buzzer, but uh, we had some pretty physical stuff. I mean, these teams have seen each other enough through the regular season that there would be respect, but also I would imagine some competitive dislike for one another. Yeah, and we speak about so do you remember going into these semis, how the Cairns Taipans were all like, oh, we're built to, we've, we've made this team to beat the Sydney Kings. When I, when I go back and watched uh, the series between the Kings and Breakers, we saw the physicality, but I, I also thought we saw some really cool matchups in the sense that I think the Breakers are probably better built to compete against the Sydney Kings than any other team that we've seen. Um, you know, they have the side to compete with them. They have a bunch of bodies to throw at Zabe Cooks. Um, we saw how chippy it got. We saw the, you know, the whole All Blacks comparison um, that Chase Buford threw out there and Modi Mayo has since sort of relished. Um, I think this is as close of a, of a matchup as we're going to see. Um, I think almost at every position, they can sort of go toe-to-toe with each other. Their top-tier guys are both great. Their depth is both great. Both coaches are elite. Um, you know, this got chippy. Um, and what's funny is that the ownership groups of these respect of these teams get along really, really well. And so 
it it wouldn't surprise me if we see some sort of WWE type uh, banter between ownership and then ultimately those guys leaving it out on the floor and, and being super physical. Totally agree. And the interesting thing is, obviously, the Kings will have home court advantage for this series, and it does swap. So Friday in Sydney, Sunday in New Zealand, and just keeps going to maybe a game five back in Sydney. Now, if you look at the standings across the season, and there was only one uh, win separating these two teams, one loss separating these two teams uh, on the balance of the season. So they did have a couple of close games, and this season series could have swapped or changed that. But if you look at the Kings at home this season, 10 and 4, they did talk a little bit about some of the performances they had at home, particularly in the front end of the season. They perhaps weren't at their best, and they had that long uh, road streak that we're all aware of. But the New Zealand Breakers are interesting because they're 7 and 7 at home. 11 and 3 on the road. Maybe they're just used to traveling, but they do not mind Mm. getting on a plane and they don't mind playing in opposition buildings. They're hopefully going to get some big crowds in Sydney. But do you make anything of the home court advantage in this series? Well, I don't I don't want to. I I don't think so. Um, and I honestly think of that both ways, in the sense that I think if the, the breakers could easily go and take game one, and I think the Kings could easily then just go and take game two. Um I think this is going to be purely down to matchups and adjustments and things like that. Um, only thing that I think could tip it is just the capacity of what the Kings crowd could be. Um, you know, they've had hmm. a good two weeks to to get as many bums on seats for that game one. If they can get to like a 15,000 number, then that matters, right? Um, and then the only other point where home court probably matters is officiating, um, where... Just naturally. don't bring it up, Ogs. Come on, Ogs. Don't go oh, there. We're only six spot. minutes sure. into the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already complaining about officiating. Um, uh, no, somewhere Chase Buford is at home. He kicked in, he's kicked the, the LED on his fridge already, um, anticipating a, a bad call from one of the officials. Um, now, look, we home the home team gets a better whistle. That just generally happens across every league and in, in every world, uh, in, in every country in the, in the world. So I have a feeling that play a difference and I think the crowd numbers could but as far as like the actual play on the court um, it's not something that I'm going to read too much into the matchups in my opinion are the more interesting thing and I think that's like that'll define the series so there's a couple of things and we should say that we are in the process as we record this podcast on Tuesday morning about putting a little bit of a preview together in words, which you'll be able to find at ESPN.com.au. But I think overall, what we are doing for most of this series, and it makes sense, you're in Sydney. You're going to try and cover the Sydney Kings perspective. I'm going to try and cover the New Zealand Breakers perspective. I think we've both got some other stuff cooking. I've got, a, I think, a pretty cool story on Rayan Repair that's going to come later this week in the lead up to game one as well. So there's going to be plenty of content to check out at ESPN.com.au. But as we look at these comparisons, and I'll throw to you first, Uh, for Sydney, but we know on the season, the Kings third ranked offense, third ranked defense, the breakers, the number one ranked defense, and they're around fifth on offense. So it's, it's a fascinating comparison. The other thing that absolutely stands out, the Sydney Kings ranked number one for pace, the New Zealand breakers last for pace. What, who wins, who wins in that battle? The the Kings are going to want to get out, cause some havoc, grab those rebounds, push the tempo. This is where Xavier cooks is at his absolute best. And the breakers, you talk about the the rugby stuff all you want, but they will be very happy if you can get it into a half-court game, slow it down, shorten the amount of, or limit the amount of possessions you have across the 40 minutes. 
Uh, what's the most interesting thing for you from the Sydney Kings perspective? Um, the So the, the breakers are one of the better transition defenses in the league. And so that is the sort of thing that I'm pointing to as far as taking away one of the key advantages that the Sydney Kings have. You might not take it away, but you might slow it down to a point where it couldn't have a, a significant effect on the outcome. Um, what I'm looking at, I'm looking at two things. Firstly, the matchup on Xavier Cooks. Uh, throughout all three games, actually all four games, if we're going to count the game back in the blitz, Jarrell Brantley was the primary matchup on Zave Cooks. Um, I, would, I fully expect Jarrell Brantley, who has a bunch of strength, mobility, I fully expect that to match up. And um, the difference with that uh, New Zealand has that other teams perhaps don't have is that they can be switchy with a bunch of guys. They can, if there was a switch with McDowell White, they're not afraid to switch that because McDowell White has some solid size and athleticism to at least do a decent job against Xavier Cooks. They would do the same with Tom Abercrombie. And so they have a bunch of guys that they can throw at Zave Cooks. Um, and then when Zave Cooks gets on the rim, he's being met by Derek Parton, who's a smaller center, but he's super effective guarding the rim. Um, so that, that's one part of it. And, and how Zave Cooks and how the Sydney Kings adjust to those sorts of matchups will, will be interesting. The other thing I'm looking at is DJ Vasiljevic, who uh, is coming off a not-so-great semifinal series. He sort of popped off, popped off at the end a little bit, but... The Cairns Titans did a really good job of sort of icing him out, not letting him get the looks that he wanted. I thought the Breakers did a decent job at that too in, in, in practically all three matchups. And so, you know, he hasn't had a good time against the Breakers this season, didn't have a good semifinal series. And so you feel like he's sort of bubbling. He's on the edge to sort of go off in a series. Um, whether that's this against the team that he struggled against, we'll see. But he's the sort of guy who could be the, the difference maker. If, if all, all else is equal... He's the thing. He's the guy that could tip the Kings over the edge, and so I'm interested to see whether whether or not he can bounce back against a team he hasn't had a great time against. Yeah, DJ Vasiljevic, Barry Brown, two guys that you look at that can get you 25 to 30 points and win you a game in this series, and it will be fascinating because I think defensively you have Justin Simon, who I think will spend a lot of time on Barry Brown, and then the other way around, you might have the youngster. You might have the 18-year-old who takes the challenge with DJ Vasiljevic and can cause all sorts of problems with the the length that he's got that we saw him cause havoc on Milton Doyle. It was just incredibly impressive, mm. particularly in that game win, game one win over Tasmania. There is some spectacular defensive highlights there. I I think your point about Xavier Cooks is great. Now, there's a guy over my and I always get this wrong because the screen is mirrored. Is it? Uh, I can't get my left shoulder. That that man over up there, your Giannis, left shoulder. plays. Yes, that is a photo of Giannis. Now, many people may have heard of him and the way he likes to play and get downhill and score at the rim. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, do not compare Xavier Cooks to Giannis. And I would say that that is a fair point that you're about to make. (laughs) But you cannot defend Xavier Cooks with one guy. Now, you're right. Jarrell Brantley did a pretty good job at this. But the thing that makes you feel a little bit comfortable about the Breakers defensively having a chance is that they do have the guy at the back, Derek Pardon that you pointed to. And if you look at the shots across the course of this series, Xavier Cooks was dominant in the first two games. And then in the third game, he fouled out, didn't have a lot of luck, wasn't all that efficient scoring. And that was the game the Breakers won. So we can talk about all the different guys and we will. And there is a number of guys that can win you a game in this series. But ultimately, if they slow down Xavier Cooks, they're going to put themselves in the position to win the series. The interesting thing about the shots that the Sydney Kings took 
in this three-game set against New Zealand this year, only 42% of their shots came at the rim, which is down from 48% on the season. They are a high-volume team scoring at the rim, and they don't shoot that many threes. But they also only took 31% of their shots from three, which is down from 35%. So there is a 10% swing from what they did on the rest of the season, which means that those other 10% of shots were coming either in floater range in the paint or the mid-range. So just based on that shot profile, you you like that if you're the breakers. If you are forcing the Kings to shoot those in-between shots in the mid-ranges, they have a number of guys that can do it, and they clearly did. Mm. They won two of these games. But I think the breakers have actually held up decently defensively against the Kings so far. And and I would also look at you know what the Cairns Taipans did uh, in games two and three and the ability basically to, to just load up on Zave Cooks, pack the paint and force the Kings into shots that, not that they're not good at taking, but they're not comfortable taking a lot of them. So they force them to shoot a bunch of threes and then to take those shots outside the paint or to at the very least force the issue. Um, and the Kings had some struggles. It, they, that wasn't an easy series for them. The breakers, you know, we call them the, the jack jumpers on steroids. They're, they're also the Cairns Taipans on steroids when we talk about what they can do defensively. Um, they just have so many different weapons they can throw at you on that end of the floor. Um, you know, I spoke about the, the switchiness of Brantley and McDowell White and Abercrombie, and I didn't even mention Ryan Repair. And I think Pardon is so mobile for his size as well. We've got Liapa off the bench, who's, you know, a smaller guy, but he doesn't play it. Um, they have just a lot of defensive options, and they're so well drilled on that end that in the same way that the Sydney Kings, I, we see them as a team that forces you into shots that they want you to take. I feel like the Breakers have that same capacity too, just purely based on their schemes and, and the personnel they have. They're going to test the waters early in game one, I feel like, and it is going to be in Sydney. And you spoke about the fact that sometimes the home crowd can can influence things a little bit, and that's what both of these teams are going to want. But you know that Xavier Cooks is going to be aggressive early. He's going to go at Brantley. He's going to go at Pardon. And I think that we will see the breakers just just test out the whistle a little bit and be pretty physical and see what they can potentially get away with early in this game because they did have success, as we said, in Game 3. And if you can get Xavier Cooks in foul trouble, then it changes everything uh, for the Sydney Kings. I will say this, and I have to bring this up because I've only been overseas once since COVID started, so I just want to bring it up to brag a little bit that I went overseas. But I went to this game in New Zealand at the start of the season, and you spoke about the crowd. It was so yes. loud. To, and if people remember this game, the Kings dominated in the first half. Xavier Cooks tweaked his ankle. He went out and did not return. So did Rayon Repair. He broke his wrist, slipping on a wet spot. Derek Pardon was on the bench. And so this was just a super, super physical game. But the Breakers made a late rally in the fourth quarter. And it was so loud in that building. You know when your ears start doing... like You, you, you can hear the... what I don't even know how to describe it. But you know what I'm talking about. When it is so loud that it is uncomfortable for your ears. You don't, what are you, what are you, you even talking about? As in they were ringing? Yeah, like it's like, you know, when it's so loud, a crowd or something is so loud or maybe you're at a concert and you, you can see, hear that it's probably physically doing some damage to your eardrums. It's just like a big like mush of noise. I, I, yes. I think that's what you're trying to say. I get yes. you. Like, I, and I, and I, I also, I appreciate that too in the sense, the sense that New Zealand's crowd will be legitimate. Um, of course. That, that game was super interesting though because that was a game where Zay Cooks was dumb for he hurt his ankle and, and left the floor. Derek Walton had some struggles in that game. 
And it was just by committee the Kings managed to, you know, keep that lead that they that they got in the first quarter and managed to get over the line. And I think that'll be one of the interesting matchups too. Um, the two benches going up against each other. I think probably among probably the two best benches in the league. Those two in Tasmania, I think, were really solid benches this season. So I'm looking at someone like Rob Lowe, who can come in and be super effective. We didn't see Geordie Hunter much in that last series against the Kansas Titans because it was a weird matchup thing. I think against the size of New Zealand, I think he's going to be a, a really important player for the, the Sydney Kings. Geordie Hunter and Tim Suarez, two of the league leaders in, in block percentage, they do a really good job guarding the rim. And that's when I also want to say it would be good for the officials to swallow their whistle a little bit to start this series. Uh, there is going to be physicality. We are going to see Jerrell Brantley get his head on the rim. We're going to see Zabe Kuth get his head on the rim. Let guys take contact in the chest and, and let's see what happens. I don't want, you know, tiki-tack fouls being called on Tim Suarez or, or Derek Pardon because there's one of these athletic wings is coming into the paint and it looks like their, le- their defense is legal, but there's a lot of contact. No, I want to see that. It's a grand final. I feel like that's what we all want to see. So we mentioned some of the matchups here and Barry Brown as we discussed last week, a little bit on our last podcast, he had the 32 points in game three. If it's not for him, do the breakers even make it here? It's it's unclear because the jack jumpers were right in it for the majority of that game. Who do you send to him? So far across this season series, he's 12 for 26 from two-point territory. So not great stuff. And a lot of those were... The type of floater shots, if you go back and watch it, that the Kings are just going to say, hey, if you are going to beat us by taking runners and floaters, at some point, we just have to say, all right, man, like that is a very, very difficult shot to make. And he hasn't done it so far against the Kings, but he is the danger. Do you, I mean, the the problem is that you don't want to let him cook. So if he starts to hit a couple of buckets, then you can find yourself in a little bit of trouble. Right from the start, are you just saying, Justin Simon, maybe not to the level you did DJ Hogue, game three, but just deny this man any airspace to at least allow him to get comfortable. I mean, the problem is I don't want to overreact to one game. And that, that's maybe minimizing Fabian Jr.'s entire season, right? Because he was really, really good throughout the entire season. But I get he had, what, 31, 32 points in that closeout game against Tasmanian. So now the inclination is, oh, we have to stop him. I, I think that would be a mistake from the Sydney Kings to go against what they do. I think they're going to stick in their drops coverage, which they've been doing all season. And while it hasn't been extremely effective at, at stopping, you know, pick and roll points, I, I think they're going to live with Barry Brown and, and McDowell White uh, getting in the paint and, and hitting those in-between shots, those floaters. I think they're going to deal with those floaters. They'll live with that um, if that means that, uh, New Zealand aren't getting those spot-up looks, which which they're also really, really good at. Um, I, I, I don't see them overreacting to Brown's, uh, you know, capacity on the offensive end. I think they're going to stick to their stuff, hopefully, and, and, and hopefully that he misses floaters, hopefully they get boards, and, and hopefully they can run. I imagine that's what they're going to stick to. And I do want to talk about McDowell White in a similar capacity of how they guard him, because we saw that with Tasmania, and they just got the ball out of his hands, and they forced creation from elsewhere in New Zealand, and New Zealand struggled a little bit. McDowell White has been good against the Sydney Kings, I think largely because of the coverage that he goes up against. So I wonder if you think that they should overreact or maybe self-correct even more against McDowell White, considering how good he's been against them as well. 
Well, it's difficult because you you hinted at it, and I've got this down in my notes here. The breakers on the season, and from an uh, a, a, an efficiency standpoint, the best spot up team in the league. And I think McDowell White is a big part of that. Uh, they also have Derek Pardon, who is a major threat as a role man going to the basket. Now he's not going to shoot anywhere outside of the restricted area, but when he gets moved into the basket, he is very efficient scoring there. So they do have an ability to collapse the defense a little bit. And the Kings will help. They like to have guys around the rim. And occasionally, you can get some open threes, particularly from above the break, which uh, obviously are the more difficult uh, variety of the three-point attempt. But the breakers are 35.4% from three on the season. So they're the fourth in the league. They shoot more threes in general than the Sydney Kings. The Kings are actually the second best three-point shooting team in the league from a percentage standpoint. They just don't shoot a lot of them. A lot of the times because they get into the rack and they get into the spots where you can be even more efficient at the basket there. And Xavier Cooks is a big part of that. But they have to be a little bit careful. They do have to be a little bit careful about overhelping and giving away some of those open looks because we've seen the breakers have some games where they just go ballistic. And you can go through the list that, and all the guys that can shoot the threes with Brantley. Obviously, we've already mentioned Brown. McDowell White is streaky. He's streaky. I, I wouldn't classify mm. him as a, as a good shooter but he can get hot and more, most importantly, he's willing to knock them down. So they d- defensively, the numbers suggest that the breakers are a team they have to be pretty wary of from the outside. I agree. Um, I also think part of the reason why I don't think the Sydney Kings should overreact or maybe send too much help to someone like either Barry Brown or to any of the, the creators um, is because... I think a lot of the way Derek Pardon is able to be effective is him on the offensive glass. Uh, he would have, He's among the best put-back guys in the league. Uh, we saw that against Tasmania in that game three as well. Um, that's where he can kill you. That's where he gets you know, a lot of his points and a lot of his production. Um, the Sydney Kings, if they stay true to what they do defensively and then box out, that they are the best defensive rebounding team in the league. And so that's the only way they're going to be effective on the other end as well because they want to play as quality defense as they can, basically just try to stay in front and do their thing, get boards and run, right? And I feel like if you're overcommitting to someone, let's say to like a Barry Brown or to whomever else, that probably that could put you out of position for those defensive boards. We've seen how good Derek Pardon is. We know how, how big, long and athletic this Breakers team is. You don't want to give them opportunity for second chance points. You want to be able to get those boards and in a playoff environment, you want to push because that pace is slowed down anyway. Any opportunity that takes away uh, anything that takes away from your opportunity to push, I think would be detrimental to the Sydney Kings, which is why I think they're going to just just stay solid to what they do. All right, let's uh, start to get to the important stuff here and what we think is going to happen. And then by the time we podcast next Tuesday, we can come here and say, gee, this is what I didn't expect because these coaches obviously <laughs> will do some stuff that uh, they've had two weeks to plan. They have, they have been cooking up some stuff uh, and watching these games a million times. I'm sure. So, look, I think it's fair enough. If Sydney win this, we think Xavier Cooks will be grand final MVP. That's fine. If you want to throw anyone else in the mix, feel free, but I don't see it happening. So if New Zealand win, though, this is a little more confusing. Or Mm. there's just more options on the table, I believe. If the Breakers win this series, who is MVP? I think the MVP would be Will McDowell-White. Wow. Purely, and this like isn't it. just because, and and this isn't just because of the 
there is this narrative around McDowell White now that he's sort of this point guard savior, right? He's a very good point guard. Um, I think it's just because of how effective he's been against the Sydney Kings this season. Um, I think that if one, if they if they're able to win this series, I think he's going to have good numbers across the board. His impact will have been felt uh, in those three games. He averaged I got numbers here: fifteen point three points, six point seven rebounds, and seven assists a game. Right. 15, 6, and 7. That's really quality. If you can do that over the course of a series, if you can average that against this team over, let's say, three, four, five games, then I think that's good enough to, to be the finals MVP. And truth be told, I think the narrative behind him, uh, it will, will be pushed enough that it, it would make sense that he could be that guy. Um, I don't think it would, it would take a, a singular performance from like a Barry Brown. Let's say he drops a 30-point game or, or anything like that. I think that McDowell White's numbers and my obvious impact would, would, would get him over the line should the Breakers win. And of course, things are going to happen through this series. We think it's going to stretch over a couple of weeks. And we saw last year, probably everyone would have gone into the series and said, Jalen Adams will be grand final MVP. And then by the end of game mm. one, it was pretty clear that that was not going to be the case for some reasons that we hope do not uh, impact anyone, any of the uh, the key movers in this series here. Who do you think that is uh, this series? Tell me, tell me that. If if it's not Xavier Cooks, who we all think if the Kings win, it's going to be Xavier Cooks. Who's who's the next guy up for the Kings? Walton. Yep. Because I think yeah. like, I think we we talk about uh, Vasiljevic, who could just go crazy for three games straight. Like I, we can't rule out that possibility that he'll do that. But I think Walton's going to have to be pretty important defensively. Uh, if this game does slow down a little bit, Walton is going to be creating in the half court. He'll have high assist yeah. numbers. And they might just need a game where Walton goes off for 2025. But we've seen that. It hasn't always been the case. And I think through the season, we've seen him try to find his spots and work out, okay, when do I need to be a big-time scorer? How mm. do I navigate that? We saw in the game against the Phoenix, the Terrellgan game that we just continually talk about, but Xavier Cooks was out early in that game. And Walton goes up for 45. Like, he is very, very capable. He seems like a big game player. So I, I would have Walton. And to the point about the breakers, I should give my answer. I think Brantley, because of the yeah. defensive stuff as well and that head-to-head matchup uh, with Cooks and Brantley. I should ask, I, I should know this. Who the heck even votes on the grand final MVP? Where does this come from? Do you know that off the top of your head? That is a really good question. I've never voted no, on thank it. Thank you. Um, no, Nate, uh, yeah, I don't know. It might be a, a series of media and, and broadcasters, maybe, like ahead of the closeout. I guess that would make some sense. Um, but yeah, I actually have no idea. Do you think that an NBL grand final MVP could ever go to like an Igadala type guy? So in this series, could it go to like a Just Lyman? Let's say he holds Barry Brown to like eight points a game on 15% shooting. And that's the difference. Could it go to him? Could it go to an Abercrombie? If he locks, if he locks, or, or Ryan repair, my goodness, I, I, is, do we do we have the capacity to do that in this league, or are we too enamored by by points and production? Well, it depends who you ask, but the old Iguodala MVP uh, could have gone <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> could have. I think he. I mean, he he did get MVP in a series that LeBron averaged about ninety five points per game. So you know, I mean, it's it's you know an, an interesting decision looking back. I know, I know. But I wonder if the NBL could ever do that. Because Justin Simon, as in he would have been the MVP of, of if we're going to give out a Game 3 MVP for Kings Taipans in that semifinal series, he probably would have been MVP of that game. So, I don't know. I wonder. 
We shall see. I'm looking forward to it. Rather than ask you who's going to win, I mean, you can just tell me who you think is going to win the title if you want, but I'm more interested because we're going to continue to podcast throughout this series. I'm just more interested in how many games you think this series goes to. Um, I think there's reason to believe it'll go four or five. Um, my feel is that, and it's, 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 an, it's an annoying prediction, that I think it's Kings in four, uh, which means that, according to my prediction, they would win they would close out the game in New Zealand, which is like not as exciting. I was at the, the game three when they beat the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. It is a cool thing to be able to close out a series, especially a championship series in front of your own crowd. Um, so hopefully a team gets to do that this season, but my feel is Kings in four. What about you? I think it's, uh, I think it'll go five games. I, I think Sydney will win. I thought they would win all season long, but the longer this season has gone on, you've seen the Breakers defense being absolutely real. And it's not like they're just a, a pretty good defense or, or one of the top defenses. They've been the best on the season. So I think you can trust that. So I think that it goes five. And I know that that's like a very dramatic selection by me and because I, I partially just want that to happen. Um, but I think that because of the way that they play defense and shoot the three, you know, this is, this is the combination of both things. I think that this series can go the distance because we have seen them play close enough throughout the season that uh, if you're a Breakers fan, you should feel confident that you can make something happen here. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think that's a cop-out either. I mean, the both really quality defenses, the top three talent on both teams is, is great. Both have elite coaches. The depth is good on both teams. These, the, the matchup is sort of built for a five-game series. Um, so I, I don't think we think it's just like, oh, like it'd be cool if it goes to five. Now, there's reason to believe that it, this probably goes all the way. I had the Kings in three last year, so uh, I am capable of uh, really making a a bold prediction. I thought that was the case. It ended up being the case, but we'll see if the Kings go back-to-back. We'll be back next week, which is going to be uh, between before game three. So we'll have a couple of games in the bank. Hopefully we're tied at 1-1 and we've seen some electric basketball, but either way, the series will still be absolutely alive and we'll be able to continue to discuss what we've seen and what we think might happen in the future. As always, go to ESPN.com.au for all your latest news. Make sure you watch The Jump on ESPN on Wednesday night. We'll be getting into this grand final a little bit more as well as we get closer. What else What else are we missing? Olgs, anything else? That's all the plugs we need to do here? Pretty much. Go to the website. We've got some stories coming. i got a thing on the NBA basketball school that just, that just opened up in, in Sydney. That's kind of cool. I went out, watched their first session last night. So I got a story on that and speaking to some people involved in that. And there's some other stuff, some big stuff coming up with, with involving some NBL teams, which will drop over the next few days. So, so keep an eye out. Oh, that is a tease if I've ever seen one. That has just got <laughs> everyone a little bit excited at the 31 minute mark of the podcast. Everyone <laughs> is going to be putting ESPN.com.au in the favorites bar, which by the way, it should be already. But anyway, make sure you keep an eye on what, Olgs has got uh, going because, as I said, the best newsbreaker in the business and he might just have some stuff in the oven about to break. (laughs) Olgs, have fun at the basketball this Friday. I'll be watching from my couch. I'm going to get to some of these games, though, but uh, I'm saving myself for the back end of this series. But you enjoy yourself courtside. I'm sure you will be, as per usual. (laughs) I will be. No, I won't be. I I, I have a feeling the Kings are going to be able to sell out a lot of this a lot of this crowd that's my feel catch you next week bye okay